Chernobyl. I think people could hate listening to crunch, crunch. Yeah, I mean, it's going to be extremely loud and distracting, but let's just do the thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Keep to the plan. Keep to the plan. But we should, we should keep it dry. Right? Yeah. Yeah? Well, dry. Yeah, keep it dry. Well, we can, we can do a lot of stuff in post, as they say. Yeah, keep it, just keep it, just keep it dry. <laughs> what do you think of that jar? Let's, let's keep it dry. Oh, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know what it's going to be like having a glass of wine, because what do you mean? I'm still very lightweight, and I still, like, even just having a sit now, yeah. I feel a little bit, like, yeah. you know, a bit, a bit more relaxed. I don't know what that's like. I mean, I don't know what yeah. it's going to be like. Well, Relax, we've maybe gone a bit from, sleepy. We've got, we've got, it's not, it doesn't make for a very relaxing conversation, does it? No. We, well, yeah, we've gone from, we let you last time. Don't you, you're not talking into the okay. machine. Last time we were talking about having a glass of wine. This time we're actually just having a glass of wine. As if it's really casual to us. As if it's just like, it's yeah, nothing. Like, you know. well, I just keep back having a glass. Yeah. Um, is it like that now? Are we going to talk about <laughs> wine again? Yeah, again. <laughs> <laughs> Every time you're like, oh, God, we're drinking a lot of wine. <laughs> oh, golly. Yeah. Um, have we got anything to talk about? Because I've only just got back. I feel like um, I feel like we need to go back and set a bit more context and talk about maybe the reception of the podcast. What do you think? And say thank you for anyone who, who listened to that's, it. Yeah, that's a really good point. I think that's quite a good thing. Because I didn't <laughs> expect that anyone would listen to it. No, no, neither of us expected that anyone would listen to it, especially not the whole 45 minutes, because that yeah. is a long time to take out of your day just to listen to to us yeah um so thanks uh and now it's kind of a bit weird because we actually have to keep doing them yeah that's kind of a weird but it's fine because people will stop listening now i also feel weird sitting at the table <laughs> i don't know why <laughs> you've got like <laughs> podcast paranoia i do this is because this is because now you feel like it's more of a thing you've got yeah. more pressure now people yeah. have like only like five people have probably listened to it no, and now you're suddenly I like this is things. we've now got to uh, yeah. you know have a, a something I don't even know what I'm saying and he left the door open <laughs> I mean, I've I've not heard anyone say that actually. Actually, no, I did. I tell you who said "Ich bin ein Berliner." I was in Berlin. I was in yeah. front of the Brandenburg Tor, or oh, yeah, in yeah. English, the Brandenburg Gate, um, and uh, which, for those history nerds out Oops. there, will want to know or already know, uh, is is this great gate that was that is the symbol of Berlin, almost a symbol of Germany, which is facing the east and facing the Prussians, What's... who were beaten off by Napoleon. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, not gonna start, I'm not even going to hazard, like, I'm not even going to, like... <laughs> I'm pretty sure it was the Prussians. I think, I think the Prussians got beat. I and think then this they should be our podcast. And then they, and then they, had this, then they built the Brandenburg Tour, and now it's a big thing. And this guy, hmm. I was there at 2am on a Wednesday morning. Hmm. And what were you doing? I was on a date. Oh. Um, we went on a nice walk. Um, she was quite boring, 
but we ended up chatting to this 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 song and dance man song and dance man um, is that how you describe yourself <laughs> <laughs> a musical man was sitting on a chair in this huge square completely empty just a couple of policemen around uh, right underneath them, uh, the Brandenburg gates and he just he started singing and he was playing the guitar and he was wearing this blue suede jacket and a little scarf and he said that he didn't mind the cold because he was from South Poland and uh, it was kind of amazing it was weird and then this other guy walked by and uh, the Polish guy was like oh where are you from my friend and he's like uh, I'm from Germany I'm, I'm, I'm Deutsch and then he sat down and then we were all sharing beers and then he was singing these songs and he sung Blue Moon to me the classic uh, Elvis I believe um, I'm going to leave, by Elvis, leave but, that one with you um, again right. uh, but he sung Blue Moon and he sang. How does that go? That song. He goes. I mean, I know. But blue moon. I'm just. You saw me standing alone, without a dream in my heart, without a love of my own. what I was there for You heard me saying a prayer for Someone I really could care for And then there suddenly appeared before me the only one my arms could ever hold I heard somebody whisper please adore me when I looked the moon had turned to go like he's only here to like play songs he said that he'd he'd been playing he's got a job he's got a wife he's got a kid he just likes to come a couple of nights a week and he's he's done 250 shows now Christ. Uh, over the last couple of years since doing this and this was his 251st and he was just like yeah just do it and I was like that's kind of cool that is quite cool so I feel quite sad for his wife and kids but a touch of lunacy. But also quite amazing, because like I was saying to you before, I think, when he was singing, it was like this combination of him performing for us and performing for himself, mm. and each of those elements, like a mask, mm. um, that 
sat underneath this this beautiful thing, which was the song that just existed. Do you know what we didn't? What we what has happened since the first podcast is mm. there've been some more revelations about this building that we're in now in my studio. Great, yeah. So um, yeah, why don't we set the scene again? <laughs> That's my favourite. So let's do that. <laughs> We've already been talking for half an hour. This yeah, is, this is like the whole podcast. Yeah, you're trying to keep setting like the scene. I like setting the scene. Like you're just trying to like ground yourself I somewhere. I like that. Because you're like, feeling ungrounded. Like you're like, I don't know where we are. It's nice. You like, need a plan of action. We should have yeah, written out what we were going to talk about. Then you'd have been happy. Yeah, it's true. It's not fair for you, though, because you've been here for a while. Your scene is set. You are grounded. You feel somewhat in a rhythm you've been going on dates with people in Brandenburg Gate at 2am with weird buskers I've not been doing any of that I just went home and I've come back out and so I've only had like Mm. a day and a half to think about Berlin again and it's weird because even in that time of going back home and coming out here again already that sort of weird feeling of familiarity is starting to grow around the city here Mm. that sense of wonderment is starting to actually melt away yeah you know i'm i'm starting to be less awestruck less uh, less sort of i have my head up less looking at things less Mm. and i'm more concerned with what's on my mind and you know just got my headphones on looking down at my feet and it's just well, it's just proof that, you know, you can... It's not a great way to walk. N- no. It's just proof that you can re- very quickly familiarise with yourself mm. with a place. Not just not with a whole, like a massive city, but you can familiarise yourself certainly with your way to work, your area, mm. your sort of... Your journeys, thing. your things, exactly. your, your habits. Your, you know, your, the tram ride quickly. that you go on, the whole thing, yeah. yeah. And... Um, that's kind of frightening because I, I was really enjoying the, the feeling of mm. uh, naivety mm. that I had a couple of weeks ago. And I think I'll get it back. I just have been a bit preoccupied. And yeah, I was thinking a lot about, I don't know if we spoke about this. I don't think we did. But these, um, these gold-colored, I think they're brass, paving stones no. that are outside buildings here. Have we spoken about this before? No. There, there are these in- incredible memorial stones that are, they look like cobblestones and they're outside buildings throughout the city and they have the names of usually Jewish people and families that were taken away during mm. the Holocaust to either concentration camps or, right. or you know, executed. And um, they, they are amazing at... at building these really unique kind of memorials, I think, to the Holocaust, to the, the kind of potted history of Berlin. And it makes me think of this, another thing that is in between the Humboldt University and uh, Grand Building, which is now the Hotel de Rome. And there's this great square. And underneath it, I know there's a car park, but walking into the very centre of it, there's just this little glass trap door. And you look down, and there's just a small white room with rows of white bookshelves completely empty and that's because that square was where i think it was kristallnacht or one of the book burning sessions that took place in the um Mm. late 30s 
and I just thought that was a really beautiful monument to that particular episode. Yeah, it's one of the things that even as I was wrapped up in my own thoughts, I was looking down at my feet as I was walking Mm, last night. Actually quite a good way to walk. (laughs) Yeah, well, it turned out, you know, the city forces you to, it really abruptly, physically reminds you of its history. And this is Mm. one of the things that has been very poignant to me. And and, um, as, yeah, as in my art project, I'm continuing to sort of look at buildings and look at the sort of built environment and look at the way that architecture can remind us of uh, our history this is a, such a small thing and it's but it's it's so small in the individual sense you know when you come across one of these tiny brass uh, cobblestones it's one or maybe two or three but the sense of enormity and the sense of scale and the sense of tragedy is conveyed by the fact that you come across them all the time you can't go on a walk and once you know that they're there you see them Mm. everywhere throughout the city and it's it's breathtaking and it's tragic and it's it's incredibly moving just in terms of you know that no matter how well you get to know the city you'll never get to see all of these monuments and that's a like constant physical reminder of of loss Mm. and um yeah so i was thinking about that and about the way that this uh, is still a unique city in the way that it brings you back to its history and, and roots you in Berlin and you could be in no other city really that kind of thing is, uh, you know I, I don't know of anything anywhere really quite like that in mm. the world yeah so that's my melancholic thought for the day that was great it's interesting that you felt you feel a sense of homecoming coming back yeah I did actually I, that's true more I than d- like discovering a new place but like oh this is where my shit's at yeah of. I think that's partly maybe it's just me being quite boring I think it's like professionally wherever I'm working on my my work my project mm-hmm. whatever my art project is at the time there's a feeling of unrest and un, I'm unsettled if I'm not back mm-hmm. trying to make some progress with that yeah. there's a feeling of guilt and feeling of wasted time and there's a feeling always of being kind of annoyed that I can't get on with it mm-hmm. um, even though since I've been back I've done fuck all <laughs> Uh, it's that potential of like yeah, you can waste yeah. your own time but when you're like not physically in a space like you yeah. can't even do that yeah like, you don't you dare waste like, my time for me yeah. <laughs> uh. since we last spoke it's really changed last time we yeah. recorded we were on the floor we had garage band hooked up on the that's true on, yeah. the, on the computer and it you took had, a whole month to turn on the computer yeah it took a long Probably. time to open anything we, we couldn't we couldn't use any of Eddie's usual recording software because his mum had to send it to him in the post. <laughs> no. <laughs> and it didn't arrive. For, that sounds for, so shit. For, for I mean, it is true. <laughs> I did leave the authorization USB at home. My mum did have to post it to me. And then it didn't get posted because your apartment and German postal system was so annoying that it yeah. didn't deliver. And they had to drive 45 minutes out of Berlin <laughs> to pick it up from a huge warehouse. Yeah, that's true. And oh. That was a tedious time. And now, like you have, you have a whole studio in here. You have a proper functioning working studio. You have a bed. You've made real inroads with the community of people to put your yurt up it with. In. 
<laughs> put my lollipop down and then picked it up and there's a bit of spinach on it there. Yeah. Um, and Alien Roads, kind of. I did. Did we talk about this last time? Is this is this repeat? Is this bad news? No, I don't Any think news? we discussed it at all. To a quick filler, a quick filler, a quick recap. No, it's more of a um, quick sort of explainer. A quick mm. explainer of Eddie's right. yurt that he built. No one listened to that. And then lived in in our garden in Camberwell for nine months, which is approximately one third of the time it took him to build it. You mean one third of that time is what it took him to build it? We'll let the, the audience decide on that one. <laughs> Quickly, having built it, packed it away, shipped it to Berlin, and thought, let's put it up, up here. Pop it. Pop, yeah, pop up here. So that's where we're at. And that's where you'd ideally like to be living, is that right? Yeah. I mean, the long-term goal is some sort of a sustainable, mm. low-impact house that mm. is ultimately dismantable. Dismantable? Disman- dismantle- dismantleable. Dis- dismantleable. <laughs> dismantleable. <laughs> I wanted to stick the yurt up in, originally just like in some empty building plot, and I realised mm. that might not be a great idea because, you know, it's kind of squatting and it's kind of risky just doing it on your own. It, it uh, is squatting and it is risky. Yeah, so that's what I sort of, I thought after thinking through what it would be like to kind of jump mm. the fence with all the uh, stuff and the stove and unpack it and sort of say... And you were sitting on the fence with all the yurt stuff? I was sitting on the fence with all about the it. Stuff. And then I... <laughs> and then I thought, no, let's do this properly. Let's ideally find, you know, a bit of land mm. where the landlord says, hey, come on, put up your yurt, give me 20 pay, euros a year a and a couple of carrots. Paint a picture of your ideal, like, just draw us an image of what... What would what would it look like? Just grassy, grassy. slopes, couple slopes. of trees, maybe a little hill. A little bit of flat. If you would like to make a, a call, please hang up and year. try again. Yeah. Um, well, you can build a build build a bit of flat into the hill. Uh-huh. Um, stick the yurt in there. Round the corner, a little compost toilet, a solar shower, a couple of other yurts or trailers or people mm. in that kind of thing. This is the dream. Um, they've all got you know they're drawn in like crayon and they've all got smiles. It sounds a lot like Berlin when you talk about it like that. Yeah. A space for the year has taken me to a few squats around Berlin, mm-hmm. from lovely ones, which I hope to live in, to r- not such a nice one, the one I thought would be good because it was called Teepee Land. And I was like, Teepee Land sounds great. Mm. Then I went there and it wasn't great and it was quite dirty. And I spoke to a guy called mm. Jimmy who mm. was really into, I don't know, he wasn't, no, it wasn't he was into This is the anything. rat guy. Yeah, this is the rat guy who was, he basically told me that the community wasn't that great. And its kind of leader um, was a guy called Giovanni or something. <laughs> but the funny thing about him was that he had the, he had the biggest teepee. He was like the leader of teepee land. Uh-huh. But he actually had an apartment around the corner, which he lived in. <laughs> Jimmy was like, yeah, he only likes teepee land for like the ladies, to like bring mm. the ladies back. Which is the same reason you got into teepees in the first place. It, I mean, yurts and teepees are very different. Um, <laughs> teepee land was not great. Uh, mainly on account of that guy and the fact that they didn't have like a good toilet situation where the, there were lots of fights around like who should Wait. empty the, the 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 kind of the wheelie bin full of their shit. Yeah. And when you say the toilet situation wasn't great, their toilet was a wheelie bin. Yeah, their toilet was a wheelie and bin. And when they you say they fought over who should empty it, it literally meant emptying the bin over a fence. Well, I don't know what... I, they probably put it in the spree, to be honest, because it was right on the, oh, on the river. God. But the guy There's who that, I was talking about, he was oh, like, I don't man. even bother with that because it's too gross. Oh, and this is, this is the guy who's living, you know, in quite a low-key 
living environment, oh, to no. put it nicely. He was like, I just do mine in a doggy bag and throw it over oh. the fence. <laughs> do my own in a doggy bag. And that and that's why I was oh, like no. I was like, I really want to embrace outdoor <laughs> communities, but this really paid home that there are lots of different ways to do that. I can't stop thinking of the article about that guy who swam to work in the spree. Did you see that? There was this there was this article about businessman, some guy who swam to work every morning in the spree and he would get into his swimming trunks and he had this zip bag thing that was waterproof and he'd put his suit, his laptop and everything in there and it was also his buoyancy aid and then he'd get in the spree, swim because he was so fed up of the congestion and on the way to work and stuff uh, he'd swim, he'd get out and uh, get into his suit and go to work it took him less time, he felt super chilled about everything and and, uh, it took him less time to swim. I think so, yeah. But the great, I mean, the thing that annoyed me about the article is he was so smug about his life. He right. was like, not only do I have a job in a bank, but I've also beaten the commute. All those idiots in their cars. That I feel like a classic, like, refreshed. And I feel like I'm getting super jacked up on my swim every morning. Yeah. And um, now I know that he's getting his face full of shit. Yeah, from TP Land. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> Which seems pretty vindictive for no real reason. <laughs> but actually, the good thing for him is that he probably isn't because they can't yeah. agree about who should empty it. So uh, he's yeah. probably all right most of the time. So that place was quite grim. Uh-huh. And then the other place I went to, which is near here. Wait, wait, talk us through the rat situation quickly. He was like. I feel like I sort of gave a little bit of a heads up about that earlier, and people are going to want to know about the rat. Well, he was just. So he lived in, in what I can describe as a, a similar to a bender, which is a, an English originated structure, which is just like kind of uh, mm. hasn't got a, a, a particular structure. It's just kind of wood or branches kind of formed together with a, with a classic, cover. Classic over the top. English construction. <laughs> Whereas you've got the teepee and the Mongolian yurt, like both beautiful, sort of incredibly uh, finely wrought, delicate structures you know, steam-bent wood and waxed canvas, etc. Good for, like, withstanding different temperatures, Any, yeah, snow, can take them down, wind, take them versatile, down. durable. Beautiful. Yeah. yeah. And ours is, ours is, is a bender. literally, it's, you dig a hole in the mud and you bend some branches you that bend are already... You bend some wood around it in whatever you way you can on. and you kind of just, like, cover yeah. it with tarp. Anyway, he did this and he built this brick oven from, like, uh-huh. reclaimed bricks... Mm-hmm and cemented them together and that was his fire and it warmed quite well but it was it was very small and very dark and inside and it wasn't very homely mm. um, but it was fine it was you know it was warm <clears throat> he did mm. well the problem was he said winter it's nice for him because you don't get all the dickheads in bars which he doesn't he's not a fan of because uh, they're all around the spree in the summer months but it's winter time and the rats want to come inside mm. and there's a rat. I've got a rat at the moment. And I was like, oh, really? You've got a rat? And he was like, yeah. I mean, so it's just really annoying when you're trying to like make music and you know, and you've got all this. And you're trying to like do your tunes and things in the evening. So I was like, oh, yeah, you know, man. I know. Can, I know what it's like, man. I was like, can try and really try and really trying to relate. I know, but I, no, I don't know. Um, <laughs> and I didn't even know they made that sound. But like, 
and that would disturb you when you're trying to write. I mean, I could, yeah, I can understand. So then he hit the walls of his thing the other night. He was like, he hit in between the layers where this rat was like, was. And then he was like, yeah, and then in the morning today, I discovered all this like hair and fluff everywhere. Oh, and like, God. And then there's, see, in, this, in the door, there's this big bite mark. So like, it can't have a bolt hole. It must have come in in the daytime when the door was open or something. And so this rat just got inside and it was still in there then it was just like hadn't it was in between the plastic and bashed around a bit and it tried to bite its way through his door anyway so i left tp land and and you're sure that that's not the place for you i was like and you're sure that that's not the place where you want to bed down i'll i'll aspire to find somewhere that is more of a loving community um it's difficult also thinking about being creative when you're struggling just to do the basic things to do mm. to survive is is quite a um, it's quite a challenge. Mm. Both of us have had moments I think since we've been out here where we've felt pretty low, and a lot of that comes from just feeling overwhelmed by the the. I mean, you know, I've got it very very easy compared to you and what you're trying to do out here. I, I've got a studio and I've got somewhere to stay that's pretty conventional by most people's standards. But even still, just the the basic stuff of communicating in a new language, finding out way, where and how you can get your your groceries and, you know, do your shopping and that kind of thing. Mm. Um, takes time and energy. And I think certainly it looks like there have been moments when you've found it's all just a lot. And it means that you have less time to put into working. Yeah, there are a lot of, I guess, cultural barriers. Mm. Yeah. language and all the rest of it to kind of um contend with as well as just set, like setting yourself up in a in a place where yeah. you don't know people and you don't know yeah. how to like get the most rudimentary things easily um does yeah it does take a, an energy toll um mm. but i don't know this is why i'm interested in other ways of living because there are just so many reasons that people do it out of pure necessity of not being able to pay rent at all Mm-hmm. to desiring different ways out of normal living apartments or as a as a rebellion against um against uh, economic systems or whatever um and i don't know i it's it's i'm living in quite a weird place in quite a unique way for me compared to living in, in a house with five or six people um but for me it's also quite it, interesting because it's it's a quite safe transition mm. to um one day a kind of com- completely outside and um you know environmentally yeah. sound you know when you started moving stuff over the idea of just storing everything you know the yurt stuff storing that mm. in a space that was big enough also to house you to temporarily sleep there and to work there seemed like a big ask, you know, coming from London where to find a bedroom, the cost is just so high. Mm. And it's worked out really nicely. You know, it's worked out that this space that we're in at the moment is really comfortable, really spacious, really cosy, really warm. You've got access to 
lots of the things you need and you can already begin... It was great when I worked out that I had a shower. (laughs) (laughs) Well, there is a shower somewhere in this building. Weirdly, I actually was the one that told you about it (laughs) and I don't even live here, which shows you maybe how smelly Eddie was getting. (laughs) That, like... Other people around him were searching out showers on his behalf. Yeah. Outside, it is a bit sketch in some ways. And there's, I do want to talk about You mean in the building? In, I mean, yeah, in so the building let's... and outside the building, so... which is the other discovery since last time okay, so... for people to hear about, which is a real freaky thing. Okay, so let's set the scene a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> okay, let's, let's set the scene. Okay, Where then. are we? So we're in Berlin and uh, we're in Eddie's studio in, in Weissensee, which... Uh, Northeast Berlin? No. Oh yeah, it is Northeast. <laughs> I thought it was... We thought you were gonna, I thought you were going to say something wrong again. <laughs> um, <laughs> <laughs> How many times have you listened to... Um, we're in Weissensee. We're in Northeast Berlin, and yeah. we're in this building which had an unknown origin. Yeah. You said last time we'll find out a bit more about when it was built. You thought thirties. You were right. Bang on the money. Drum roll for out the Yeah. It's a nineteen thirties building. Yeah, ting. Ting, ting. That's like ting. Just symbols. Ting. Yay. So celebrations. Party poppers. Um, what does that mean, Arthur? Uh, it was bought, bought, blah, 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 blah. it was built mm. in the 30s mm. in the Weimar Republic in a sort of period of brief economic boom and bust. Uh, I thought it was a depression in the 30s. Was that the 20s? Uh, yeah, well, let's remember history's fast and loose on <laughs> this program. Uh, <laughs> and uh, and then we suddenly found ourselves in the Nazi Germany period. Uh, is that how people refer to it? The Nazi Germany period? I don't know. Yeah, the Nazi, sure. the Nazi Deutsche period. Yeah, they were here and they used this as some kind of industrial um, complex. We don't really know much about how it was used during the Nazi um, government, but we do know a little bit about what happened to the building afterwards when the wall came down and... Berlin was split in two, and we are... Not yeah. necessarily in that order? Yeah, well, because, I mean, yeah, actually, in that order. Because <laughs> we're walking down, and Berlin was split in two? Yeah, because before then... <laughs> the Nazis, and then the wall comes down, and then Berlin split in two. Yeah. And then we're here! Yeah, the building we're in was used by the Stasi. Uh, right, the Stasi. Yeah. Here we are, the Stasi. They were here. Yeah. They were Why in this are you building. Saying, oh, <laughs> I just like the word. It, well, uh, <laughs> yeah, as long as you just like the word and not the people, then we're. we're... Um, so, I mean, okay. the Stasi were here, and that's kind of mad. That is a little bit weird, actually. Because they were, they were really into like their covertness, you know. Spying. They're spying. Yeah. They were so. They were like. They went from like a small department to like. Two hundred thousand employees yeah, by the end of the DDR. Yeah, two hundred thousand people and were employed. Like neighbors spying on neighbors, husbands spying on wives. Although vice versa. it's fifty thousand official employees and another hundred and fifty thousand unofficial. Right. So these are people. In, the unofficial in, was people who yeah. were just kind of like, just Paid like tattling, yeah. tattling uh, uh, on their. In uh, a population of only about one and a half, two million people. So yeah. that's a crazy percentage of. 
the people of East Berlin employed mm. by the Stasi. Yeah. Yeah. And this building was allegedly for storing documents, storing files. That's what the, that's what the story is. But what is scary about it is that when you go, I mean, storing documents is pretty frightening in itself. It's the, yeah, you know, like the the kind of documents that the Stasi are keeping. This is a giant building. It's an enormous complex. Like the the, the rooms on hundreds corridors, and, and the corridor is maybe like three hundred meters long. Yeah, it's like a huge. And some of the some of the rooms are locked. Some of them are. Um, some of them still clearly have the original wallpaper. Some of them have got peeling paint, new wallpaper. They've all got, you know, they've all got these sort of pretty giant windows and are in amazing. The but in the basement, well, it I has was these... just going to say they're amazing as artist studios. And it, you know, right. when we first came in, we really were like, wow, there's nothing like this in yeah. London. You know, uh, what an amazing building! <laughs> exciting, exciting. Uh, yeah. And got and you know, it is incredible to see these spaces mm-hmm. in use now by by artists. But yeah, it, it's been Eddie's been exploring it over the past few weeks and learning a little bit more about its history. Mm-hmm. And he recently, yeah, took us took uh, took us to the basement of the building. So in the basement of the building, there are these green metal doors, which you're like, okay, they look quite suspect. What? Why do they need to like store documents behind these huge metal doors in the basement, which have like giant bolts at the top and bottom of them? And some of them have bars. Some of them have and bars. then you go into some of them, and then there are smaller cells off them with metal doors. And and it, yeah, it's just like it's very very clear that these are uh, prison cells, maybe even interrogation, interrogation rooms, chambers. Yeah. Um, weirdly, the last time I read, which I haven't told you about, there are so many other bits of this building. It is insane. So well, past the can, when you when you go in the basement when you go another hundred meters beyond where I've gone with you before you get this huge pipe complex which is probably something to do with the heating of the of the building mm, beyond every there, single room has got heating on that's what's mad about yeah. it is still today we've got r- giant radiators in every single building in every single room and there are hundreds of rooms and they're all piping out hot so you go beyond beyond that pipe the piping system mm-hmm. the boiler system or whatever mm-hmm. you get more dilapidation more like empty basements filled with rubbish or with rubble mm. um some just filled with like water and whatever shit and then you go through this room where there's old wallpaper a really dusty red sofa and then and then it changes then you get like another corridor where there's some more like studios or things and then you get like a red velvet curtain and Beyond this velvet curtain is this whole like plush corridor. And I went there. You're telling me the velvet corridor you were The velvet in. corridor. Mm. And I met a guy there called Cameron, who's the most eccentric British expat man in his 30s. And has he made the velvet everywhere? He's made the velvet everywhere, and it's his recording studio. No. And cigar collection? And like what? and like collection of analog recording gear. No. <laughs> so no. he's got this analog studio in the basement of this building. Why have you introduced me to Cameron? And well, he's a bit weird. Like, <laughs> like everyone here, he's just a bit weird. And he's and he's covered everything in velvet. It's he's imported like wallpaper from Italy. Oh my god! He's like decked it out in an extreme fashion. When you say a and, bit weird, like, well, give us a bit more on that. I don't know. It's just one of those like, not. I mean, weird. Mm. Like good weird. Does he own like eccentric weird? Eccentric right. like. 
Like you're so in, we're, you're in we're a Stasi like ec, like former prison basement converted it with Italian wallpaper and cigar collection to like a recording studio, but and you're happy with that kind of weird. Like yeah, I guess when you put it like that, that is quite weird. And he was like, "Come with me," and he showed beyond the velvet corridor. There's even more. And then you go around this More corner, cells. and then you go, you go down, back to cells? and then you go down even further. No, no, no. But t- does it go back? Part? Does it go back? No, this is further along, like does this it, way. Does it go back from being velvet to being? Oh yeah, and then it goes back to being shitty, and then that's freaky to me. And then it's, and then you go down even further, and then we were just walking, and there was we were in like a like half a foot of water everywhere, Jesus and he was like, Christ. yeah, there used to be like, you know, I guess these must have been communal showers or something, and then there were just these like. All these stains on the floor oh, used no, to be everywhere. No, and I, I anyway, I, it gets dark. It gets really point. dark, and you're just like, this is fucking weird. Like, yeah, it's odd. Well, I tell you what, I tell you what was very nice is Marie and Christian came to visit me, and mm-hmm. we thought what would be nice is if we go and visit Eddie's home, homely studio. And maybe check out his um, lovely sort of cosy place where he's, you know, making a, make some jolly tunes. Jolly tunes would be all, you know, it'll be a real nice sort of sparkle in their visit and a bit of bright sunshine in the, the gloom of the Berlin afternoon. I mean, going up a, an old Stasi well, spy tower. Yeah, instead, <laughs> when we got to Eddie's studio, which he then gleefully revealed to us was a Stasi interrogation unit and then led us into the forest and basically uh, yeah there it was this huge it's not huge actually but it's it's surreal it's weird it's, you climb up these like 20 rung metal ladders there's this guard and then you're like tower, yeah. looking over the thing it's got holes metal hole slats where yeah. you can like duck down and point your guns out I don't feel like we've and done a good enough job setting the scene Free me out. We really talked ourselves into a freak out there. Mm. Yikes. Should we go down to the basement? And do no, a, do no. a little wreck down there. Oh, that's scary. Just to like. I don't know if I can do that before going home. Um, but this is the scary place. Then home is the nice place. Yeah, but. Just to give a bit of context. Oh, God. I think we could do that. You could do it. Oh, it's so scary. One, two, three, four. Next time, on Postcards from Berlin, Eddie and Arthur get a call from a listener and go down to the basement for Christmas. Yeah, this is creepy. This is like totally terrifying. Oh my god. Fuck. This is not great. Down here, not great vibe.